Hi, this is Hope. This is Chris. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to Nomi Athlete Radio, episode 109, and episode 1 from our new studio. That's right, the brand new studio space, <laughs> located in the trendy West Asheville neighborhood. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are in my new house. My family has finally moved into a new house, so everything is resolved. We don't need to mention my house anymore after this. But man, that was a hard <laughs> few months for us. We, yeah. uh, we survived. We were grateful to all be together, but our whole family slept, two adults, two dogs, and two kids slept on the floor of one room in two different houses in back-to-back months. It was rough. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of other things along with that were Because, you know, because working from home, I had no more no working office space anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I could go to coffee shops and do stuff like that. But anyway, it was, uh, it was a tr- tough time. So it's definitely good to be settled in. And I think, I think we'll be able to pick up the content frequency again and kind of get back to where we were. Because we were really cranking. Like, when I was in Italy... And then around that in Maryland, we kept up the two podcasts a week and two posts a week, and like really doing great with it. And then, then my house then that flooded. Stupid refrigerator. Yeah, I know. So we blame that. Yeah. No, but it, this is a I don't know, new season. Fall is in the air. I think this is a good time for us to kind of get back in gear and start cranking them out again. Yeah. We have a, you know a bunch of interviews coming up and some other cool ideas. So we do, and we've got Runners World next week. That'll be fun. Or this week. In, yeah. In two days, we'll be. We'll be in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Runners World HQ, <laughs> and uh, we'll probably do an episode from there if we can manage it. Yeah, maybe even although, have some other bloggers on. Maybe, although we intended that last time, and then it turned it didn't into work out. Too much casino to <laughs> the precedence over that. Anyway, uh, today we are doing, I guess, kind of a part two of the series that we inadvertently began last time when <laughs> we did uh, How to Run Faster. We figured that the companion to that is How to Run Longer, and I think it's... You know, most runners want one of those two things, and maybe even both. I know that's that's what I wanted when I started out. Was I wanted to qualify for Boston, but then pretty soon after I started thinking about that, I found out about ultra marathons because this was, I guess, the early two thousands when when that was just starting to become a, kind of a bigger thing. And it was like as soon as I get that Boston thing done, I need to get into ultra running. So run further, uh, run faster, go together nicely. I think, and, and this is the run further episode. Before we get too far into running further, do you think that you can run, train to go further and faster at the same time? <laughs> like, like should you focus on one at a time, or or can you do them both at the same time? I mean, I want to say no that you shouldn't, right? Because just almost everything works that way. We're trying having any more than one goal kind of introduces some counter productivities, uh, and I I sense it's probably the same here. I honestly don't know not that well schooled in in running philosophies and all that like i just don't know that much about running coaching or anything um my, you know there are some people who say you have to train speed work and like that you should train for 5k's in order to get faster as a marathoner right so if that kind of logic is true then then i guess it would make sense right you could be kind of exp- increasing your mileage at the same time as really working on speed work and getting faster so, i mean i'm sure it's possible my guess is though that it's just probably going to be more efficient to to not do that yeah, I think that if you if you get deep into a, a marathon training plan and you're putting in a lot more mileage than you have before and you're keeping up with the speed work that's a part of that plan, then you're going to naturally get a little faster right. at the 5K and 10K distances and half, certainly half marathon distances. So without purposely trying to get faster, 
you will at the shorter distances. What I wouldn't advise is trying to say PR at a 10K and really focusing on that while training for yeah a marathon, right? right? No. So those are two separate goals. But I, I do think that you'll be pleasantly surprised, or people would be pleasantly surprised if they train for their very first marathon and then happen to run a 10K, you know, one random weekend, they probably yeah. would do pretty well. I think I think they definitely, uh, I mean, if, if they're not the same goal, I think in, in some ways they can support each other. Like, you know, anyone who knows has, has if you've trained for a marathon, you just, you just become, I mean, a way more serious runner in, right. in doing that. And you probably double the amount of miles you run in your life just in the course of the training program. So that's going to make you a better 5K runner. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, I guess in that way, it does exactly what you, what you said, but yeah. I don't know. It just seems. I guess where I was thinking was like you're not going to PR at a distance. You're not going to run your lifetime PR at a distance the first time you run it, most likely, right? Sure. Unless unless something goes horribly wrong and you never are the same runner again. But like, I just feel like the, from the difference from a first marathon to a second marathon, you have learned so much in in just what it's like. And and by the tenth marathon, you've really learned to listen to your body and you know how hard you can push and just you just get faster as you do it more and more so it'd be very hard to pr in your first you know i mean to run a lifetime pr in your first race right no no i think you're i think you're right i i i shaved 26 minutes off my marathon pr my marathon time my during my second marathon mm-hmm. and i used the exact same training plan but i was just that much stronger and that much better at the whole thing and knew what to expect and when mile 20 hit you know, I wasn't having to deal with bonking for the very first time. Yeah, right? you know, exactly. I, I knew how yeah. to do that. So, yeah, um, yeah you're probably not going to PR on your your first time, but except that it is PR because it's your. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's an automatic PR. That's very true. But okay. today we're going to not talk about getting faster. We're going to focus on running further. Yes. So we were talking about this, and we were saying, "What if somebody? But if someone says I want to get faster, then." You know, we kind of gave them a prescription last time, right? And then your post yeah, this week. German fartlicks. Yes, <laughs> yes. The, the German word for speed play. No, no, it's Swedish. No, please don't email us or tweet us or anything like that. <laughs> we, we've already gotten those. Um, yes. So I mean, we said here, like here's the, basically start start doing harder workouts. Don't just run the same distance all the time or same pace all the time. Uh, someone who wants to run further. I mean, it's kind of as simple as that, maybe even simpler than that. It's it just run further, right? That's, yeah. that's what you need to do is gradually work up your mileage and run further. The way to do that, though, to actually get yourself to do that is to, is to have a race in mind for most people, as long as you're not opposed to racing, uh, is to pick a race, put it on the calendar, sign up for it, and then find a plan that ramps you up there. Because, I mean, you can tell yourself, I'm going to gradually increase my my distance by a mile a week every every Saturday. I'm going to run one mile further than I did the Saturday before that. But I think you reach a point where the motivation to do that kind of falls off if there's not some greater goal out there, right? Yeah, I mean, running further is hard. Yeah, (laughs) you know, if you've never run ten miles before, then that is a really long way to go. So, and the further you get up, the more difficult it is. And and so, if you don't have a race goal in mind, then it's just you know there comes a point when it's probably not good for you to be doing that long term right and uh well that's a different discussion i guess but <laughs> you know but you, you wouldn't want to do that without a goal in mind i don't think yeah so so th- i mean that's the basic framework here is is make sure you've got the base required to train for whatever this race distance is that you want to do and then pick a race and then sign up for it and then get a training plan to do it so as as obvious as that sounds there's a lot i think you can do to uh to make that more likely to be successful and the first thing before the rest of it 
is is to make sure you've got the the right base before you do start training for, for something because you wouldn't want to just start ramping up to marathon distance if i don't know you're only running three three mile runs a week not not right. saying you couldn't do it i think that's probably what i did when i trained for my first marathon but my first marathon didn't go well <laughs> it, i mean i kind of got hurt in the training and just ended up you know not just not a good first marathon um so we were talking about this earlier and you threw out the idea that that maybe what what would be a good guideline because we know there are some some established guidelines but what what would be a decent rule of thumb is are you running the distance of the race in in a given week right so if, if you want to train for a half marathon are you running 13.1 miles over the course of a week and have you been doing that for you know six eight ten weeks and can you do it comfortably without without feeling like every time you do it it's a major strain on your body uh, so it's certain, that fits right there. I think 12 to 15 is kind of the mileage that I would typically suggest someone have weekly before a half marathon training program begins. Mm-hmm. Um, do you need 26.2 miles a week to, to start marathon training? You could probably get by with less than that. I mean, I would think I would think anywhere 18 to 20 and you're probably going to be fine. But, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? I think that's a good, uh, it's a good rule of thumb. Yeah, I think, I think base training is, unless you have trained for a few different races, it's one of those things that, most runners have a struggle understanding, right? So you, you pick a marathon and you get a training plan for that marathon and that's when you start planning, right? Or training. But that the base period is really important to, to build up consistency, to build up your endurance base and your mileage base. Because if you just jump right into a plan and you're ramping up mileage week after week after week and you haven't been consistently running, you don't have any sort of uh, mileage base, then then you're definitely going to get injured. I mean, or not definitely, but you know, it's certainly it, it increases the risk of, of injury big time, right. and you're just going to be struggling a lot more each week as you're building on mileage when you haven't had that base, that foundation laid beforehand. But I look at base mileage as um, your opportunity to to really get comfortable uh, at a at a particular at running and, and at a particular distance before you start doing specific work for that that race, right? So a marathon training plan will have marathon-specific training as part of it. And the point of a base building plan or base building time period is to really just get the running down and the endurance down, the aerobic base down, and not really do the marathon-specific work. Right. right? So I've read um, some articles about this. I know there's Phil Mapitone. He His approach is basically that almost all of our mileage should be easy and that we shouldn't almost right. ever push it. I think he, he does eventually kind of concede that we can benefit from some harder workouts. Uh, but, but during a, a long extended base period before any kind of real specific training begins, he thinks it should be entirely this, this zone one aerobic training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know most other coaches, it seems, will say that, that no, there's, there's almost always, no matter what phase of training you're in, you can always benefit from some small amount of different types of, of workouts. Right. Um, so, you know, we're not saying here that, that you should only run aerobically for, and by, by aerobically, I mean, you know, sub 70% or so of max heart rate, conversational mm-hmm. pace. Um, but it's it's an interesting strategy. It's one that Rich Roll has had success with. That's what he kind of began with when he was training, I think, for his uh, first Ultraman. Um, just doing basically Mastro Method for several months not allowing his heart rate to get over a certain percentage. Uh, we did an interview with Phil Maffetone a few months ago, so listen to that one if, uh, if you're interested in hearing more about this stuff. Just make sure you turn it off before he starts talking about carrots and having personalities and <laughs> that, we, that, that it's okay to eat animals because carrots also feel pain. Uh, <laughs> but the rest of the interview is very good. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that there is a place for speed work in that base building phase uh, a little bit, you know, maybe once a week, just some light speed work. Because part of what you're doing there is training your body how to handle a little bit of speed work, you know, once the actual training plan starts. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely room for that. Um, but the but the main point of the base building is to get comfortable with the mileage before you right. before you get into that training plan. Doug, so, did you have 100 miles per week uh, mileage before you started training for your 100 miler? You know, I was thinking about this, and no, but my peak week before, not certainly not before I started training for the 100 miler, definitely not. Right. You know, but I definitely reached 100 miles 100 mile weeks or close to it um with you know with the with the 100k in there you know that's 61 Mm -hmm. miles and then i had probably 15 or 20 other miles that week so not didn't quite hit 100 miles but you know close to it during those peak weeks um i just i know someone would email that or tweet that if we if we didn't clear it up yeah we're we're talking really shorter distances right shorter distances and and you know with ultra marathons in general things just scale so much differently right so during a marathon, you train up to 21, 22 miles, 20 miles, somewhere around there. Um, with an ultra marathon, you don't train within five miles. Yeah. Even a 50K, you wouldn't train within five miles. Right. Um, so, you know, it's it's just very different. Yeah. Okay, good. So um, so that's, I mean, you've got to have a base. We're not suggesting that you just dive into a training program without a base. Uh, at the same time, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I know in the past I've been, I've per, avoided signing up for races because I thought I didn't have the base and thought I needed to, I was going to spend three months building up the space and then I would sign up for a race. And I just, I've seen that pattern happen in a lot of people besides in just running where it's like, well, I've got to do this and this before I can go <sighs> for the big thing. And it just ultimately leads to not doing anything because there's, there's not that inspiration. Like it's not, it's not at all exciting to know that you have to train for two months or whatever first before you can right. start your training for this big, exciting thing. So if that kind of thing's stopping you, you know, then I would say go for it. But just realize you've got to be more cautious throughout if you don't have the right base. And, and your chance of injury is, is definitely higher, without a doubt. Well, and if, and if you're a planner and a smart planner, then you could <laughs> pick a race that's six months out that gives you enough, plenty of time to you include could. that base building period into the full overall go. marathon training plan. That's true. But, could. but some people are last-minute race decisioners are. Like, yes. uh, like Mr. Frazier. <laughs> okay, so... Assuming you've got the base down for your given distance, um, you know, pick a distance. Is it smart to go from 5K to ultra marathon? I mean, I think that can be that can be your long term vision. Yeah. But it's not going to be. You're not going. If if you've only run a 5K, you're probably not going to have the weekly mileage that would be required to begin training for an ultra marathon. So, uh, no. Generally, you do want to progress through them. I don't know that you need to run a 10K before you run a half marathon. It doesn't. You know, I think you can pretty much get the 10K done in the course of the half marathon training program but uh, i would recommend for most people actually doing a half marathon before you jump up to marathon definitely just because it's so a half marathon is so different from a 5k it's just an entirely different type of running it's more about conservation and just you know enduring whereas a 5k you can you can be miserable for half an hour and just get it done uh so I don't know. A lot of people say like, well, I'll just get the half marathon done in the course of the marathon training program. And yeah, you can do that. It, it can work. It's what I did for my first marathon and you can get your marathon done. But I think if you do that, there's a good chance you'll never come back and run another marathon because I just don't think it'll be that good an experience. <laughs> uh-huh. And if you've got the patience to first do a half marathon, then you get this chance to do a build up from whatever your current long distance is, which is maybe only three miles. You get a chance to build up from there up to 11 or 12 and then 13 on race day. And then you get a few weeks off, and then you get 
to start over a marathon program and you start it maybe back at six or seven miles for your long run, you get to build up again and then you push past 13 and you go up to the to the marathon distance. But I think that's so important because that build up is so stressful the first time you do it. It's just so difficult and so many first time marathon hopefuls get hurt during that because they've got to run 16 and 18 miles and they've, you know, a few weeks ago had never run more than eight. Right. So I think to, to go through this routine a couple times, once in a half marathon, then once in those first few weeks of a marathon program, I think it just helps so much with the chances that you'll reach the finish line uh, in good shape. So again, I don't think it's required or you have to do it, but just if, if you're going to kind of skirt that recommendation and, and jump right into it, I think you're increasing your chance for, for injury and you should be aware of that. Definitely. Okay. So. So you got the base, you've got a, a race picked out reasonable race a reasonable it's not too far too much of a jump not too much of a jump not too soon you got plenty of time to do it you then you go buy a nomad athlete training plan yeah that's right fork over your money for that <laughs> uh no or you can get a free one online or go to the bookstore and choose from hundreds of others or you can hire a coach you can hire a good award-winning coach <laughs> like our own doug hay and then and then what so then you then you start actually running further right yeah, and that's that's what the rest of our episode is going to be about. <laughs> is how do you do that? Um, besides one foot in front of the other, I mean, there there is some advice there. It's I mean, yes, it's just it is just running, but a lot of stuff starts to come up, right? Not not so much from five k to ten k because as we've said that that's not that different from from five k running. It's just it's just more of it, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of a confidence thing. And I mean, if you just I don't know if you run a five k. Get a three and a half mile run and get a four mile run and get a four and a half. And after a couple of those weeks, you can do your 10K without having learned anything new about running. Right. To get the half marathon done, you got to start thinking about nutrition, hydration, and kind of the mental game, right? The, the motivation to get out there and do the stuff. And just how do you, I mean, for me, the difficult part of a 20 mile run isn't really that it's painful because you can, you can slow down to the point where it's not. Right. It's that I just really want to quit doing it because I get bored and just want to go, you know, do something else. <laughs> so it's how do you deal with with boredom? And there's there's lots of different stuff that comes up once you really jump up to like half marathon and beyond. I would say. Yeah, yeah, those are all good good things to cover. Thank so we should don't. probably we, <laughs> we should definitely cover them. <laughs> okay, um, but I, I think for someone who has never ramped up in mileage at all, it's important to talk a little bit about the the mileage itself um, and what what that looks like, so what your training plan will look like over the course of 12, mm-hmm. 16 weeks, right? Good. So there's two kind of two things. There's your weekday mileage, which is, um, you know, where you'd have your workouts and some other just easy runs, right? And then your weekend long run in a typical training plan we're talking about. Yes. Here, right? So your weekend long run in general will increase one mile every week for the most part, in right? In general. I mean, in, in, in a half marathon plan, definitely. In, in marathon, a lot of times they jump by two. Right. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. Depending on how long the training plan is. Um, and then a lot of them will, a good training plan will have down weeks where every three or four weeks you're having kind of a rest week that cuts down a mileage a bit, allows your body to recover, allows your head to recover. Um, yeah. and, and, that, and I think that's really important. A lot of people don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I think whenever I've trained with free plan, free plans online, a lot of times that is neglected. Yeah, they just say, maybe it was yeah. me just trying to choose a plan that didn't last long, and it would yeah, a quick like uh, you know if you're going for like a 12 week plan, they can't do that. Yeah, and right? that's often what it was because the last minute mm-hmm. race planning yeah. in college, I was like, you know, I'm gonna get this marathon done in three mm-hmm. months from now. So I'd pick the the one that's gonna get me there the fastest, and that that doesn't have the luxury of 
weeks like that that you really do need. That that helps so much to give your body that chance to to just hit kind of a reset. Reset, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, look for that in any kind of plan, that every three to four weeks it backs off. And your weekday mileage will increase a little bit over the course of your of your marathon, right? So you might be starting doing three to four mile runs during your weekday mileage and then ending at five, six, seven, eight mile runs during your weekly mileage or weekday yep. mileage. And that that really is just as your base your you know, your base is increasing as your mileage increases and that kind of is preparing you for for race day. Yes. And let's see. So I mean I guess I'm hoping not anyone's trying to make their own plans if this is their first time. <laughs> no, this. no, definitely not. Um, but I mean, you can you can sometimes rearrange plans, right? We've been talking about weekends, but of course, if, if your off days are Wednesday and Thursday, sure. that's your weekend, mm-hmm. and that's when you do your thing. Um, but even more than that, there there can be other flexibility. Like you can, if a plan says off day, hard workout, off day, hard workout, you know, off day, long run, you can sometimes mix stuff up if, if it has to happen that way. I mean, yeah. if, if it's the only way it's going to happen, then then go for it. But just, again, be be careful when you make stuff, do stuff like that, mm-hmm. that you're not overloading your body, right? You're not, you don't want to put your hard workout the day before or after your long run. I just wouldn't, I tend to sure. keep those two days as easy as you possibly can. Right. Um, so, I mean, you got to be smart about it, but you can rearrange plans and things like that. And typically, especially if you're a beginning runner, if you're doing a plan that has tough workouts at all, which it doesn't necessarily need to, right? If you, I mean, if the goal here is run further and not necessarily run faster, you can train entirely on easy mileage. Sure. And in fact, that's what I recommend people do in like the easy, in my plans, I usually put out a, like an, a to finish plan, mm-hmm. which isn't about gaining fitness or being fast, but just getting a distance done. And I don't see much reason to, to do hard workouts if, if you have no goal other than run a little bit longer. Right. Um, so, you know, you, you can, the point is make sure you, if, if you do have hard workouts in there, make sure you're, as a beginning runner, not putting them back to back. Have an off day. Have an easy running day in between those things. And again, make sure that easy running day is easy. That's so important. If you don't do that, you're kind of throwing that out the window, and then suddenly all your days to your body are, are hard days. Right. This is kind of an aside, but I was reading an article the other day about how we have gotten in this trap with training plans that are their seven-day plans, right? So your long run is every seven days. Mm-hmm. But that really an optimal plan would be a five-day plan. So mm. if you could run a long run every five days and have oh yeah i forget exactly how it was structured but it just kind of restructured it and it made a lot of sense most people couldn't do it because of your the work week and and everyone's schedule right. but uh it was kind of an interesting way to look at it and how and how we've been kind of trained to think that we have we we're in seven day cycles when so the reason is that what you don't need seven days in between long runs that you can you yeah can do it faster so yeah if you, right gotcha. you know and in your i think it was just one it was like a an easy run, a workout, an off day, an easy run, and then a long run. So mm-hmm. it just kind of, um, you know, reshaped things a little bit. Hmm. We could write a book that the first half of it is how do you set up your life? Like how do you start a blog and all that so that you can – Oh, so the that book you can is all about, the, the book day. is about marathon PRing. Oh. It starts with that. How I do like you it. create that? That would be a terrible book. <laughs> I, ran, I did 10-mile run this morning. See, there you go. You have the luxury. I know. That was you, great. You, could, you should need to share that advice. <laughs> um, all right. So, so we've talked about mileage, hard go base building. Let's talk about that. The how things shift a bit when you're when you're running longer. Like you're saying, the nutrition and water. Let's. Why don't we start there? Okay. Good. So, the first thing is knowing that you actually do have to eat. That's a thing that I mean. 
anyone who's been a runner for a while is going to say, well, of course you have to eat. But if you're new at running, that's not entirely obvious. I know for, for me and my friends when we were in college training for this marathon, we didn't even think about bringing food with us on the run. It wasn't a concern. We didn't, it didn't, we didn't realize we needed that until we actually did need it and just didn't have it. Uh, so you do need to eat. It, this is another reason why I don't – another example of, of the counterproductivity of having multiple goals. If your goal is lose weight and run my first marathon – chances are neither one is going to work out too terribly well because they, they have different needs, and, and a lot of that is around food. Uh, you, you need to eat during and after your workouts and before your workouts, really, uh, when it's the long run, in order to train effectively for a marathon and let your body recover from a long run or from any sort of tough workout. But for weight loss, you probably don't want to do that. Everyone, anyone trying to lose weight would say, well, I don't want to replace those calories that I just burned. But with marathon training, that's exactly what you're trying to do. Is you're trying to replace those calories that you that you lost, right? Um, so that your body can recover and not just not just lose that weight. So you've got to eat. Uh, I mean, you can go as far as you want with actual guidelines. I don't know. I mean, what's I I, I tend these days to just kind of take things much more simply than that. Uh, I mean, you can go by the the ratios, right? Three to one before workout, four to one during, during workout, and... five to one, and this is carbohydrate to protein. So so. Five grams of carbohydrate for every gram of protein after mm-hmm. a workout, and you know three and four beginning and or before and during. But you know, I, for the first time you're training for a marathon or a half marathon, I wouldn't worry about any of that. I would just say I want to eat mostly carbohydrate before and during and after my workouts. And thirty to sixty grams per hour is is a typical recommendation that I hear mm-hmm. of carbohydrate. So that might be the equivalent of two energy gels per hour, maybe. Um, and you don't need it, you know, if, if your workout's not more than an hour and 15 minutes, you probably don't need it at all. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, but once it does, once those long runs get up there, so you could, you could ignore nutrition during runs for all except your long runs if in a, in a first training program for a half marathon or marathon. Mm-hmm. But once those long runs get over an hour and 15 minutes, uh, I would, from the beginning of the run, start making sure you take in 30 Dark to 60 feeling, grams yeah. per hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so dates are a really good one, you know. Three to four of those per hour works well. You can just get all the all the calories through a sports drink if you want, or fruit juice. Just make sure that you're getting somewhere in that range, uh, so that you're not going to run out of fuel. Yeah, you know, energy gels and energy blocks and bars and all that stuff are are very easy because they have the ratios down for you pretty much. Yep, and the yeah. electrolytes, which is and important the too. electrolytes too. You know, so they kind of take care of all that. So as long as you're taking them in, then that's an easy way to do it. Same with good sports drinks. Um, but you know, if you wanted to do a more natural approach, dates are another, are, are, are a great option. Yep. Um, and there's plenty of homemade sports drinks and sports show recipes. Just mm-hmm. Google them. You will find them. Uh, and they will, they will have you adding salt and stuff like that to make sure the electrolyte, electrolytes are in there. Uh, and typically they'll, you know, they'll often have the right ratios for you. Uh, but I mean, it's not that much more that it's, if you're eating something, you're, you're, you're doing 80% of what you need to, right? You could, you could stash a couple bananas somewhere along the course you're running or in your car and Mm -hmm. eat them after every 45 minutes when you return to your car eat two bananas right i mean that's who knows if that's in in, close to any of those guidelines Mm -hmm. but i've done plenty of runs that way and it's way better than not eating anything yeah so i I just don't want the you know perfect to be the enemy of good here where people say i'm not i just don't don't want to get into all that nutrition so i'm not going to run a marathon i will say that i don't think i could eat two bananas every hour really I eat like five bananas for breakfast usually in a smoothie. 
in the middle of your in a smoothie. I'm talking about mid run, especially if I'm doing a marathon long run. Not really. I don't know. Maybe. I feel like bananas are so easy to just pound. They're yeah. Just, they just. I don't know. There are other foods that I could not do that for, but. I'm a, I'm a. Yeah, you like that weird sandwich thing that you make, right? With the almond butter and something else on it. Yeah. See, we have different tastes in food. But that's also see, you know, I think that my ultra marathon and especially trail running nutrition is slightly different than is definitely different than what I would do while Ooh, training for okay a marathon. Well, just because no, I mean, I, not not so much for the what's going in, but for how well it'll sit on my stomach and how fast I'm running, right? Of course. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so, anyway, how about water? How about water? You need it. It's good. It is good. It quenches your thirst. You know, I've, I, I, at times, I've calculated stuff like that. And during my hundred mile training, I was trying to, you know, did the weigh yourself before the run. Mm-hmm. Don't eat anything. Don't we go don't to the bathroom. Yeah. yeah, and then weigh yourself after, and you can figure out exactly what you're losing, and you can make sure you replace exactly that amount. Uh, it's useful to know that, I guess, but. I just I like the drink to thirst idea a lot better. Yes, yeah. I, I just I mean, yeah, I mean there might be ways to to do better, and, and if and if one percent improvement in your marathon time or something matters, then maybe it does matter that you that you get only the exact amount of water you need and no more and no less. Uh, but for most people, if you drink when you're thirsty, and and you're mindful of it, right? Like don't don't you can it's possible that you would just keep running and kind of be thirsty, but because you're not used to drinking on the run. You just don't even think about it, and this is this is what I did in my whole first marathon training. I just didn't really think about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize how thirsty I was because I wasn't even thinking about it. So be mindful, but you know, I think if you just listen to to your body, you you'll be fine. At what point would you recommend starting to carry water? Uh, it depends, I think, on so much. Like mainly on the heat, the temperature of the, of the mm-hmm. day. Like you can do a two hour run with no water if it's cool out. Right. You, you'll be all right if it's not that intense of a run. But if it's if it's blazing hot, you'll need it after thirty minutes. Yeah. So I don't I don't really know. Um, yeah, no, that's that's a good point, and and also the person you know what they're comfortable with. I think I tend to carry water a little bit less than than a lot of people, but they you know if you want it if you need it if it's going to help you run better, then carry it from the very beginning. Right? Yeah, and I I found for a while that I was running without water for like a I guess like a seven mile run that I was typically doing at my old house, and. It was just easy to not carry water. I didn't like using handheld bottles and just easy to not do it. But then I, for some reason, one time just did bring the handheld and found that I felt so much better during the run. <laughs> like I, was, I wasn't I was noticing before that it wasn't going well. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fine. I thought that's, what, that's how it was supposed to feel. But then when I actually did bring one with me, I found that I was just performing better and just feeling better. So, you know, even if you don't realize you need it, you might. So yeah. it, it's worth trying different things. And quickly, I guess we should maybe talk about how you can carry food and water, just real briefly. Yes, we did have that that whole episode about equipment type Deer, stuff. Yeah, yep. which we'll link to in the show notes. But yes, uh, I mean I mentioned handheld bottle. That's that's a bottle that velcros to your hand, so you don't need to actually hold it. It's just a little bit easier to carry that way. That's that's what I tend to do nowadays. I got I thought for a while that that would be really hard and that it would drive me crazy to have a bottle in one hand that mm-hmm. I would just always want to switch it and just couldn't stop thinking about it. Uh, but once I did it, it, it just I got used to it. You just you just kind of do and you forget about it. I like that better than almost anything else I've tried. I don't really like that old fuel belt thing. Isn't good. Yeah, <laughs> with the bottom that was what I got my first marathon. So I, yeah. and, and chafed all over my waist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're better designs, right? They're, they're those ones that kind of sit against your back, the bottle yeah. really yeah. snugly, and don't don't bounce that much. Yeah, but they're belts, and then there's packs if you're if you're into that. Then they make some that aren't big 
bulky packs, but just very streamlined with just the water bladder mm-hmm. um, or a place for the bottle. So, you know, those are all good ways, especially if you're carrying a lot of fuel. If you're carrying enough dates to get there through a 20-mile run, then maybe you need Yeah, a and pack. if you're not carrying a lot, you can fit a gel or two into a most handheld, handheld bottle yeah. mm-hmm. and have a little pouch in there. But if you need more than that, you can wear some kind of belt or a pack. I mean, the stuff's all over the place. So listen to that to that episode we did about gear, and you'll hear that stuff. So that's that's nutrition. I mean, you know, a very very cursory look at running nutrition. You can go way way deeper, and you should go way deeper than that. I would I would think if you were interested enough to to be training for a marathon or a half, mm-hmm. you I know when I do that sort of stuff, when I get really into a goal like that, all I want to do is research it and find out how I can do the very best I possibly can. So I would spend hours reading about nutrition type stuff. Uh, my hope is that someone listening to this would would do the same if they actually did sign up for a race. But uh, if not, you know, you got this. <laughs> so how about how about the mental side of running longer? Because this is you know this is something I like to talk about, and it's also was such a huge thing for me during my first marathon training. In, in particular, then what what was he? I, mean, I know it is huge, but for well, you, I mean, you? I just I have this very very clear memory of the first time I ran thirteen miles. I had already run a half marathon. It was the first time I had run 13 miles on my own, mm-hmm. and you know I struggled the whole time, and I got done, and 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 it was it was like such a letdown because there was no medal, there was no crowds. <laughs> you know, it was just like I just got home, and my roommate was sitting there, like, "Oh, nice job." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I just ran 13 miles." You know, it's huge. You know, it's like this right. big letdown. And I felt like that was the longest you know anyone had ever run ever yeah um even though i knew i had to run 14 miles the next weekend right but you know i think that that's a big i think the mental side of of running long is 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 big it is it's interesting because you know i haven't really thought of things in that way before uh i mean i know after like after a 20 mile run i do want to tell everybody about it like hey i ran 20 miles today yeah. because it's like i did something I, that's that's a big deal uh-huh. um but i so while i haven't thought of it that way so much what I have always thought of is that you basically each each long run day, each Friday night before your long run. This, by the way, another thing I did badly in college. Uh, <laughs> that that you should be kind of as if you have a race the next day, right? <laughs> right? That's how you. That's how well, you. What were you doing it. Friday night? <laughs> I was staying home and reading, and I was staying up too late reading. So oh, okay, I wasn't, okay. wasn't getting the sleep I should have gotten. <laughs> um, but like you know, you you should kind of aside from the fact that you want to sort of rehearse that whole race day mm-hmm. nutrition and race morning and everything else uh the fact is as i said it's extremely stressful to be ramping up your mileage it's just it's very difficult the first time you go from whatever 12 to 14 miles or 14 to 16 miles those are really really tough things to do so i think you should put as much effort as you can into the hours before that that run to make it as pleasant as possible which includes eating the right foods the night before getting really good sleep Probably not drinking very much alcohol at all, if any. Staying uh, off your feet. Yes, all these things. Not dancing the night away. Yeah, I mean, and that—that's a big thing. I, especially if you're, if you're in a relationship, if you have a family, you know, it kind of shapes your whole weekend and it takes over. Your, yeah, and so your when people weekend. talk about marathon training, like I don't know if I have the time to commit to that. The actual time commitment to the running, I always point out, is really not that much, right? You, you might, let's say, your average long run time through the course of a training program is, I don't know, maybe two hours, right? Because you've got a lot mm-hmm. of six, seven, eight-mile runs that aren't that long. Uh, but what the commitment is is all that other stuff. Right. The, the committing to preparing the night before and not going crazy the night before, not really doing much that morning of that race, dedicating, even if you only have a, say, three-hour run on Saturday morning, knowing that that's going to take 
probably six hours of your time with, with all the preparing you do, the and recovery. Recovery, yeah. yeah, the rest too, yeah. So so there's this idea that you really should be treating every long run like a race day, aside from the pace. You're not running a hard pace, of course. Um, but then, so I guess to go through that and then have, have no medal at the end or no one to really cheer for you, <laughs> you know, it's like having a race without any real reward other than that you got it done. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how you deal with that. I mean, so that's, that is one mental strategy I would suggest is, is think of it as a race and, right. and be prepared, uh, eat, start eating the right way 24 hours before that. And six hours after that, you should be eating the right way and you should probably be doing some foam rolling and stretching and that kind of stuff too. So, I mean, that is a mental suggestion, but how do you then deal with, with that? How do you deal with having to do runs like that? That's for me is the hardest part. I, I just, I don't, I'm, I never found running for its own sake to be all that much fun. Mm-hmm. I like it for I like it for the accomplishments. I like it for the health benefits. But Saturday morning, you know, everyone else is doing crosswords, drinking coffee. I just wish I could be doing that too. That's the hardest part for me is is getting those going out and doing that when I know like everyone else is having a normal Saturday morning. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite way. I'm like on top of a mountain and I'm, you know, I'm looking down and I'm, I'm like, all these other suckers are just in their house doing crosswords right now. And I'm out, right. You know, conquering right, right. the world. See, I, I, I kind of feel the opposite way, but, but I think that most, or not most people maybe, but a lot of runners do feel the same way you do it. And one good way is to get other people involved. You know, if you can join some sort of training group and do yeah, a lot of them will, will do their long runs together or at least start them together. So, you know, being able to do that, is, is huge right yep. both motivation and accountability and just keeping you occupied and yeah and, and what you learn I and mean, you learn from other runners too like what's working what isn't for them and if it's your first time through all this you can learn so much just from from hearing everyone else talk about it yeah so that's really big uh if if you're not going to do that for whatever reason maybe it's not available or maybe you're just not someone who who does that sort of thing um i mean of course you can you can run with one person instead of a group sure but uh if you're if you're on your own you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with with listening to headphones. I know a lot of running purists don't like it. They say it's not a good idea, and, and there are situations where it's not a good idea. Uh, it's not allowed at a bunch of races for safety reasons. Although mm-hmm. more and more it is allowed now, um, and on trails, a lot of times it's not really that appreciated because then you can't hear other runners around you, and you could kind of be, you know, not not a very good citizen if you have headphones in your ears. But uh, headphones have gotten gotten me through a lot of runs, and often have been the reason to get out to run. If I have a interesting new thing to listen to or a podcast that i'm really into or even like a new album that i bought off itunes that often is like i can't wait to get out and just have a chance to go do nothing else but listen to something like that and just be out running and like the running is sort of a secondary thing that's happening but i'm carving out this time to be on my own not be distracted by other stuff and just be listening to something i like Uh, so i mean i don't think there's anything wrong with it and i think it can be a really good valuable tool definitely overcoming boredom definitely and breaking your run up into smaller sections, if you, uh, especially as you get into the longer, you know, 18, 19, 20-mile runs, mm-hmm. doing loops that you swing back by the house to both get your fueling, but then also kind of breaks it up. and Yeah, that really makes a big difference. Um, you know, it makes it much more approachable, I think. Yeah, like if you a 20-mile run, because in almost every training program, every good one is going to have you going 20 miles at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all. There, there are some exceptions. But, uh, you know, the idea of going out 10 miles on some trail or whatever it is and then just turning around and coming back i think that itself is very daunting to someone yeah uh, it, it's just scary that i mean aside from from how much you how how clearly 
obvious that makes it that you have to run this far again once you've right. gotten out there. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just sort of scary to, to be that far away, right? That, that to know mm-hmm. you're, you're 10 miles from anything else, and this is the first time we've ever done this, and what if something goes wrong, and who knows? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really like the loops idea. That that has helped me a lot. I've, I've even broken 18-mile runs into, like, three-mile loops and just, you know, get just crank it out that way. And, hmm. and and not for any reason other than I didn't really want to do 18 miles a day, and, like, that was a way to get it done. I'm just going to do three-mile loops. I'm just going to knock them out, stop in my house really quick each time, and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, loops are loops are a good way to. You've do broken it. a hundred mile run into into three miles. <laughs> I have done that, yeah. Which was great. I mean, it made it a lot more, you know, approachable in some ways. It, it yeah, it absolutely does. Mm-hmm. So that's another idea. Um, I used to my strategy uh, during that first marathon was there was this bike path that was really long, maybe like thirty miles or something. But I would park and run, um, park kind of in the middle of a, of a good spot and run, I don't know, five miles one way, kind of run around and come back and then run five miles the next Mm -hmm. way and turn around, come back. So I had that car in the middle was never more than five miles away from the car. Um, and those five mile stretches, you know, when you start doing 10 miles out and 10 miles back that when you start getting to the eight and nine mile, it's just so tempting to turn around, (laughs) (laughs) you know, a little bit earlier, like, ah, it's just another mile, (laughs) just cutting off a mile or two. But you know, when it's shorter distances, then then it's less tempting to do that. So. Yep, definitely. We haven't talked yet, Doug, about uh, walk-run methods. Ah. Because that's another thing that can kind of make the whole thing less daunting. Yep. If, and it's another way of breaking it up, which you just mentioned. that What we said was a way of breaking it up. Another way of breaking it up is to know that after every mile, and this is going to require uh, some sort of GPS or running in a place or a trail or roads where you know what the mileages are, mm-hmm. uh, or unless you're doing it by time, which I guess is another thing you could do. Yeah. But... Every, every mile or every eight minutes or whatever, however you're doing it, you're taking a walk break. And that walk break might be a minute. Probably, you know, if you're trying to get faster, it's going to end up being 30 seconds, maybe even 15 seconds. Uh, this is the Galloway method, of course. Jeff Galloway, the Olympian and, uh, you know, became a running coach and author, uh, kind of made this method popular. And he claims a lot of runners have broken three hours in the marathon using his run-walk method, mm-hmm. walk-run method. Yeah, I'm always amazed during marathons during big city marathons how many people are doing that yet still you know running pretty quickly yeah yeah so i mean whether you're trying to run fast or whether it's just a a first time thing and and the distance is scaring you it can be really nice to just to mentally know that you've only got to push harder for you know whatever two or three more minutes once you get half the mile done and then you get a reward in the form of a break for however long and it's it's really nice i mean it's a really nice way to break it up and you get instead of 20 miles you've got 20 different one mile stretches with right. little walk breaks after them so that's another good one and i mean that can be an entire training program not just uh, a long run i mean there, there's mm-hmm. look at galloway stuff and you can find you know entire training programs that are built around this this walk run method yep okay so um what else i mean there's of course there's way more mental aspects right there's there's having the big goal of the marathon there's being excited by that there's dealing with bad runs and all that but i think that's kind of just going in too much deeper than we want to go here uh, so that's that's a look at the mental stuff. Do, is there anything else? I mean, any other stuff that changes the first time someone starts running far? We've talked about nutrition. We've talked about it. We haven't really talked about equipment as far as like maybe you're going to need different clothes than you than you needed for your 5K. But you know the the, the episode we did about running equipment probably covers most of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, once you get to half marathon distance or, or training for half marathon, I mean that's the time when you absolutely want to get running shorts and the right kind of running shoes and not just be 
doing the stuff you got from Walmart, you know, right. to get your 5K done. Right. Um, yeah, the only other thing I would say is that as you start running longer and, and increasing your mileage, it gets more and more important to, to do everything else right, too, so to, to recover properly, to eat, you know, outside the run properly, to, right. you know, do your core work and your strength training and that kind of stuff. So we don't need to go into all the details and all that. We talked a little bit about some of that stuff in the last episode, but um, all that becomes more important as you increase your mileage. Good. Anything else? Well, we that's, got it. That's all you need to run for, right? That's that's it. You can just you can just do it. So with this episode and the last one, people don't need anything else. <laughs> they can run faster. They can that's run further. That's it. And you golden. You are. You don't need to spend any money. You don't need to. You don't need to really train or anything. You just need to listen to this. And, and well, except that you also need to buy the. the right, you have to go buy the movie app. Yeah, and right. and the shirt while you're at it. And, yeah. yeah, that'll because that'll make you run faster. <laughs> of right? course. Okay. Well, that's it. Um, we're getting back in the swing of things. I think this is good. Yeah. It's a little hot in our new. It is a little warm in here. I don't. Maybe the vents are blocked or something. <laughs> Kinks to work out, but we will, uh, and we will. We pick it up the frequency soon. So next time you hear from us, uh, hopefully, if we are responsible podcasters, we'll be from Runner's World HQ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if we'll have any special guests with us or not. Dina Castor will be there. That's cool. And we're getting personally fit in shoes by Golden Harper, CEO of Ultra Running. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. I'm pretty pumped about that. I am too. That'll be a lot of fun. And and uh, Bart Yasso, of course, will be there and all kinds of Good times. Good times to be had. Yeah, this will be fun. And Matt's going to run his first half marathon in a while. And uh, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm, maybe. We'll see about that. Don't know. <laughs> Not, I'm undecided about that. And we may. Maybe we'll hit it big at the casino and come back with all kinds that of new podcasting. Yep. The half marathon is a maybe, equipment. but that hitting it big at the casino is a definite. Yeah. I never lose at the casino. <laughs> <laughs> As you've seen. Right. <laughs> yeah. I've seen you never win at the casino. <laughs> Okay, good. Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll be back soon. All right. Bye.